Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, lagonvalleyvineyard.com. Done. Um, I just want to say a huge thank you to a team that Alex has pulled together, uh, to Celine, uh, to Susie, to Andy and to Cassie. Um, I love that we've got so many wonderful creatives as part of our community. And over the next couple of weeks, um, as we work through Advent and build up towards Christmas, you're going to see some very, very beautiful things on screens. So I just want to say a massive thank you to you guys. You've done a brilliant, brilliant job. Um, Welcome to Advent, everyone. Over the next few weeks, we're going to get the chance to prepare ourselves as we anticipate the celebration of Jesus' birth at the first Christmas. These next few weeks are all about looking back, looking back to the ancient story of Israel, and yet it also invites us to look up and to look ahead to the promise of Christ's return. So often, we just want to rush to Christmas, right? We want to get Mariah Carey blasting, and we want to party, but there is something essential, something necessary, I believe, about slowing down and entering into the liturgy of Advent, to just wait for a few weeks, Because the truth is, is that it's always Advent for the church. It is the season that we will always be in. Gareth, do you want to flick up the first slide? Diedrich Bonhoeffer puts it like this. Hannah, do you want to come on up? Advent is a time of waiting. Our whole life, however, is Advent. That is a time of waiting for the ultimate for the time whenever there will be a new heaven and a new earth, when all people are brothers and sisters, and one rejoices in the words of the angels on earth, peace to whom God's favor rests. And so for these next few weeks, I believe that we actually really need them because they teach us how to wait well and for us to see that just as Jesus has arrived and that Jesus will arrive again, well, today he continues to inhabit time and space as his kingdom comes and dwells amongst us. It's always Advent. And one of the best ways, I think, to enter into the season of Advent, to rehearse the ancient story of Advent, is to sing and to celebrate through song. And so I've asked my good friend Hannah, Uh, to sing a song for us, a song that pulls us into the sense of longing that Israel had, the same sense of longing that we are to hold on to today. Plus, it's just an excuse for Hannah to play my favorite Christmas carol. Actually, O Holy Night is my favorite Christmas carol because it is an absolute banger. Um, So can I invite you for just a few moments at the start of this season to drink it in, to breathe deeply, and to rest, to open yourself up to the ancient and the unceasing account of Christ's arrival, because our cry remains the same as the cry of old, come thy long expected Jesus. Thanks, Anna. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to people free
In Advent, we get to practice something that we're not very good at, waiting. We don't really like waiting, do we? And yet Advent gently provokes us to see that waiting is the only context in which Jesus makes himself known. It is only those who wait that get to truly greet the Messiah. Bonhoeffer puts it like this, for the greatest, most profound, tenderest things in the world, we must wait It happens not in a storm, but according to the divine laws of sprouting, of growing, and becoming. Waiting is an art, and in Advent, we get to practice, because as we wait for the things of God, it does something to us. It shapes us beyond being the kid who gets everything they want whenever they want it. We all know kids like that. Actually, we're all kids like that. We all want life on our own terms. Living that way, it shrinks us right the way down. It makes our hearts and our worlds kind of small. It reduces our lives only down to what is right in front of us, what we can control and manipulate, what we can grab in an instant. And as we frantically try to control our lives, we stop waiting and our lives become as predictable as an algorithm. You purchase this, therefore you must be interested in that. A world of unlimited potential, it gets reduced down to only a couple of options. Without waiting, we just hurry back to the same old, the same old, to what we've always known and to what we've always done. Trust me, waiting is uncomfortable, it is not easy, it takes patience, but waiting, it takes us out of this predictable way of living and it opens us right the way up. In waiting, there is room to breathe. And so our hearts 
and our lives, they begin to expand like the belly of the mother of God. In waiting, we begin to develop this healthy sense of restlessness, a longing for something new. Set patterns are just left behind as we attend to our deepest desires and become open to something that is beyond the predictable. We become open to the unexpected, to surprises, to miracles. Ultimately, we become open to God and realize that he alone is our hope. If you've got a Bible with you, I'd love for you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 8. Let's turn there together. As we see in the days of Isaiah, it was really tough going for the people of God. It was like they were in darkness. There was political unrest, there was injustice, there was suffering under the rule of King Ahaz. And yet despite the promises that were made to this nation, there were some in that community who were struggling to wait. And in, verses, in, sorry, in verse 9 of Isaiah chapter 8, we see what is going on because some of the people were becoming so impatient with God that they sought to live life on their own terms. And so they turned to fortune tellers, to mediums, and to spiritualists to help them navigate their way through life. And yet that only left them more confused, more disorientated. Tired of waiting, they grabbed a hold of their own life, what was right in front of them. They forgot about God and resorted to controlling life for themselves. Yet as we read in verse 20, that meant that they closed the door on the light of dawn. And yet it's into this darkness, into the disorientation that these people felt that the prophet Isaiah, he speaks a word of hope. Hope that God will do what he does best. For in the darkness, he alone is the one that can speak out the words, let there be light. Let's read Isaiah chapter 9, beginning at verse 2 together. Come, Holy Spirit. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment ruled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and of peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and with righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I want you to notice two things about Isaiah's prophecy. Firstly, it would be 700 years before the incarnation of Jesus. But notice how the prophet speaks of the future as if it's already happened. He's so immersed in God thinking, in God dreams, that despite the weight that it would take, well, for him, the future has already taken hold and it has transformed the present. That's what hope does. Hope is not just about the future. Hope holds the power to change how we live today. But secondly, notice how Isaiah describes the coming Messiah. Because Israel longed for this warrior-like Dwayne the Rock Johnson-like leader who would crush their enemies, right? 
And yet notice the kind of king that was to come, how expansive, how unexpected he would be. There would be no end to his reign. He would be everlasting. Notice the character of the Messiah, not just a mighty man, but God, and God who reveals himself as a wise carer and as a father. This coming king, he wouldn't just kill everybody, but instead would be a prince of peace. He would shoulder the weight of power and protect his people. And this isn't just a strong man that would be born and given, but a child, gifting us not with an old way of existing, but with a new way of living. God always has more in mind for us, more than we do of him. And for those who turned to these fortune tellers, life shrunk right down and it pushed them only further into their disorientation. And while we aren't dealing with the same things that Israel dealt with, it is fair to say that this dizzy, disorientating, feeling our way through the dark kind of sensation, it sort of feels kind of familiar, particularly on this morning, right? And while we may not be turning to fortune tellers or mediums or spiritualists, at least I hope, to shed some light on what we should be doing, the truth is there is two ways of living that we turn to all of the time just because we want to have life on our own terms. Those two ways chasing after certainty, and number two, choosing to live cynically. Certainty and cynicism, both of which are the opposite of hope. Whether it's the allure of religious fundamentalism with its own brand of storytelling, or whether it's the pull to get caught up and to spread misinformation because we like the payoff of being the ones in the know whenever everybody else in the world is getting it wrong, or whether it is simply obsessing over the weather app because we want to know exactly whenever it is going to rain. We love being certain, right? Now, it's important for me to say that as followers of Jesus, as those who are arranging our lives around the teachings of his text, I believe that there are things that we can be 100% sure of. And yet, this desire for certainty, where everything is ordered, where nothing changes or reforms, us knowing exactly what's going to happen and how it's going to go down, we love that feeling of being certain. And why? Well, I think it comes down to one thing, fear. We don't like surprises. We love to be in control. We like to have things set and ordered, certain, because underneath it all, we're afraid. At the heart of the story of Emmanuel's arriving into the world, we hear the words of Gabriel to Mary, who is greatly troubled at the disruption that her life is facing and the shock of all that is being said to her. As the angel says, do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. The arrival of Jesus means that we do not need to be afraid anymore. We can trust God with the entirety of our lives. But whenever we choose to chase after certainty, well, there's no room left in the inn of our lives for hope to be birthed anymore. Because throughout the story of Christ's arrival, there was nothing that was predictable nothing that was expected, nothing that you would ever place a bet on. There was nothing that you could be certain of. Instead, we find surprise, the unexpected. We find mystery. 
The mystery of God lowering himself to take on our form and our frame. A womb becoming the place where heaven and earth meets. The ancient of days becoming a baby, a vulnerable child. The one by whom and for whom everything was created while we find him depending upon his teenage mother. We're in danger all of the time of reducing God down to what is predictable and what is expected. We box him in. We set limits on his nature and his activity. And usually this is based on what we're comfortable with, our degree of certainty. And yet there is an invitation this Advent, just like all other Advents, for us to become a community of wonder, where we come to see that Jesus is more expansive than the limits that we set on him that he is so much bigger than our sense of certainty. Eugene Peterson puts it like this. Wonder is the only adequate launching pad for exploring this fullness, this wholeness, this human life of Jesus. Once a year, each Christmas, for a few days at least, we and millions of our neighbors turn aside from our preoccupations with life, reduced down to biology or economics or psychology, and we join together in a community of wonder. The wonder keeps us open-eyed, expectant, alive to life that is always more than we can account for, that always exceeds our calculations, that is always beyond anything we can make. Let me ask you today, are you open to Jesus surprising you this Advent? Are you open to a Messiah who reveals himself beyond your sense of certainty? Because here's the thing, it is through wonder not through certainty, that we make room for hope. Hope that things can change. Hope that miracles can happen. Hope that the kingdom of God is hand. Hope that Jesus can exceed our expectations. Now, for the slightly more cynical amongst us, I know what you're thinking. Really? Come on. Things changing, things exceeding our expectations? Come on. Things are wick and they'll always be wick, right? But here's the thing. Whenever we expect that things will stay the same, we often consciously or unconsciously ensure that it does. Let me say that again because it's really important. Whenever we expect that everything will stay the same, we so often consciously or unconsciously ensure that it does. Think of it this way. Imagine seeing a job advert come up, but you don't think that you'll get it. And so you don't even apply for the flipping job. You expect that things will just stay the same. And so you make subtle choices to ensure that they do. I'm not going to apply for the job. A lack of hope blocked you from even trying to see if things could change. Do you know what I mean? Let me blow the conversation up a little bit bigger to climate change. You just think to yourself, you know what? It's all going to the dogs. It's too late. We're just going to burn up. And so you decide, I'm not going to do anything about recycling or the amount of waste that I use. I'm just not going to do anything because it's not going to make a difference. That is the way of the cynic. But hope is different. If we are open to the possibility, even just the possibility, that things could be different, things could be better, that things could change, well, then we will take our chances in making that future a reality by starting to act it out right now. Hope. It sees potential in the future, but it seizes that potential and drags it into the present moment. Advent, it teaches us to look in two directions, to look back 
to see that above all else, God is faithful to his promises. God can be trusted. Isaiah's prophecy came true. But Advent also promises to look ahead, to help us to look and see at least the possibility that John's prophecy of a world made new could also come true too. That is the hope of our future. And so the hopeful, they don't just see that that future is possible, but they believe that it is beginning to take shape amongst us. I'm totally a glass half full kind of guy. I am the eternal optimist. So you might expect me to say this, but I'll say it anyway. I believe that it's not always going to be like this that we're not stuck, that this isn't just the way it is going to be because I have read the end of our story and I believe that Christ will come again, that he will set everything right, that there is a day coming whenever there will be no more tears, no more pain and no more sorrow when the fragmented pieces of creation will be pulled together and we will all experience the fullness of joy. I believe that one day all shall be well. That is the scope of hope that we're dealing with right here. God hope. And in this way of hope, it doesn't need to be deferred. I'm sure it'll happen sometime in the future. This good hope, this different hope, it has already begun its work. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so if we expect that this future can happen and will happen, we will both consciously and unconsciously ensure that we live in that direction, drawing our hope into the present moment. Each of us need Advent because if we just get busy and we just rush through to Christmas, we celebrate a little and then we start into a new year, we'll just get caught up in the cycle of the same old thinking. We'll end up just numbing ourselves with mulled wine or schlur, if that's your drink of choice. And we'll just start another year thinking, hey, it's all going to be the same. Or we can allow Advent to do its work on us and be open even just to the possibility that things could be different next year because of the arrival of Jesus. But this year, I think we need Advent more than ever. We're tired of covid we're tired of the news of new variants. We're tired of sticking swabs up our noses, of church feeling a bit different, of life looking very different. We're feeling more uncertain about the future, what it'll look like, the shape that it'll take. And so the easy out, the path of least resistance is to chase after certainty and choosing to live cynically. It is into the darkness that Advent always dawns that we get to see that hope is here. And so we, the Jesus people, the kingdom people, we can and we must live differently by being open to wonder with a sense of expectation because Jesus changes everything. We can be the hopeful. But I'm also aware that many of you need Advent even though you don't want it to be here because your heart is weary today. And while there are some of you that are just pure buzzing that Christmas is around the corner, and God bless you for that, there are others of you 
who find yourself facing a bleak midwinter and you're already feeling it in your bones. The expectation that this season won't just unwrap gifts for you, but will also unwrap some wounds. Your soul may be weary and disappointment may lead you to bubble wrap your desires. Your prayers feel a little bit weaker and safer and maybe you find yourself expecting less from people because you just don't want to be let down. I know it's hard, but to you, can I encourage you, just be open. Open even to the possibility that this Advent you will experience a thrill of hope. Because the tender love of Jesus, it always draws close and allows us to see that yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I told you that O Holy Night was a banger. Or as my friend Alan from down the road would say, to be fully alive is to be hope-filled. It follows that when we are hopeless, we are less than our true selves. We are deficient. We can't avoid disappointment in life and we are certainly not immune to it. But the greater truth is that we were created for hope. Seasons of disappointment will come and we should expect them. And we may go through times when disappointment is a deeply real experience, but it should not be our fixed position. Hope should be our default mindset, our go-to theme, the soundtrack of our lives. Hope can be a constant for the child of God. Hope is both our compass and our destination. Not only is hope the resonant theme of our story, it also shapes and forms our very souls. You were created for hope. But how do we do hope? How do we live in that way? You've heard me, if you've been with us for a while, you would have heard me quote Mary Oliver, a wonderful poet, many times whenever she says, attention is the beginning of devotion. Whenever you spend too much time paying attention to sources and voices that pull you into certainty and cynicism, you will become more certain and more cynical. But whenever you set your attention on Jesus, you become the hopeful. And so can I encourage you this Advent? You can use 321 to help you if that is helpful. Attend to Jesus. Move towards him. And trust me, hope will be birthed within you once again. There's a beautiful version of the nativity story that is recounted every year in and around Provence in southern France. It's about four shepherds who traveled to Bethlehem to witness the arrival of Jesus. One brought eggs, one brought bread and cheese, the third brought wine. It's my kind of nativity. But the fourth shepherd, he brought nothing at all. People called him Le Chante. And the first three shepherds, they find themselves chatting with Mary and Joseph, just saying, oh, Mary, you look great. How cozy this place is. Look at that beautiful starlit night that is outside. They congratulated the parents. They presented their gifts and they assured them that if they need anything, that they could just ask. But one of the shepherds kind of nudged the other and said, hey, where is Le Chante? And they searched high and low. They couldn't see him. And finally, they peered through this blanket that Mary and Joseph had hung from the ceiling just to cover Jesus. They pulled it back. And there, 
kneeling at the crib was La Chante, the enchanted one. And like a flame taking the direction of the wind, he had taken the direction of hope. They find him with his attention set on Jesus in adoration, whispering, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus is hope himself. Hope is his name. And so may you this Advent make room for him. Even if you've got nothing to offer other than your weary heart, just come to him with the gift of your attention and hope will be birthed within you once again. Hope can be a constant for the child of God. Hope can be both your compass and your destination. So this Advent, may you set yourself in the direction of hope for Jesus he is the hope of all the earth. Jesus, he is the joy of every longing heart. Let's stand together as we come to pray. And can I invite you just to start as we mean to go on. Just in the silence of this moment, take a couple of breaths, close your eyes. And just set your attention on Jesus. Begin to pray. Begin to offer him your thanks. Tell him how much you love him. And just be open. Just enjoy a few intimate, quiet moments with him. Just as you stay in that intimate space, just if you're comfortable, just keeping your eyes closed. Uh, there's a group of people that I would love to pray for this afternoon. Um, because I'm conscious that for some of you, it feels like Advent all the time. That you just find yourself waiting and waiting and waiting. That the Lord has placed a seed of promise in you. That He's promised that something new is coming. But whenever it comes from God, there's always a wait that comes after his promise. But for you, the waiting has gone on a while and it's starting to hurt. It's starting to cost a little bit. You haven't seen the fulfillment yet. You've been carrying this promise in the dark and it's getting a bit hard. And in these days... You feel a temptation to lower your expectations, to cling on to certainty, or you find yourself being tempted by cynicism, becoming cynical. Has God forgotten about me? Has he left me behind? To that group of people, I want to remind you of one thing before I pray. The Lord always makes good on his promises. But if that is you, I'd love to pray for you. 
and everybody's got their eyes closed, I can tell, because I'm awkwardly looking at you all. Um, so if that is you, I'd love to pray for you. And um, just so it's helpful for me, just to know who I'm praying for. If that is you, if you're waiting and you just long to experience hope again as you wait, can I just invite you just to place your hand on your heart? And I just love to bless you, to pray for you, that the Lord would just release hope into your life once again and give you the strength to carry on. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? And would you bless my friends? Would you fill them with hope? The hope to carry on. Would you give them strength and courage? Would you bless them with powerful patience? Lord, would hope arise within them once again? Jesus, would you draw close to them, tenderly close to them? Walk alongside them in these days. Lord, would you remind them of the promise that you have blessed them with? And may their sense of faith just rise and rise and rise in these days. Bless them with hope. But Lord Jesus, I also pray for my friends that you would come quickly, that they would see breakthrough, that they would see a turning of the seasons, that they would see the promise fulfilled. Holy Spirit, would you come and bless them with joy? So fill them with hope. Bless them as they wait. And whet their appetite with a sense of expectation that you are going to move soon. And for each of us, for all of us, Lord, I pray that we would be the hopeful. And that we wouldn't just keep our hope to ourselves but to this community, this region, the people that we will bump up against this week, Lord, I pray that you would allow us to release your hope to them. As we as a community wrap around generosity, as we buy gifts, as we wrap gifts, as we bring gifts into this building this week, as we send gifts out to bless others, I pray, Lord, that would just be a picture of the kind of community that you're continually forming us into, those who bless this region with hope. So would hope arise in our community as we give, as we wait, as we pray, and as we draw close to you. Fill us with hope, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who I prayed for just a few moments ago, um, if you would love to receive some extra prayer, uh, some bonus prayer, uh, do come to the front. Uh, some of our team will be here. We'd love to pray for you today. It'd be our joy to be able to do that. Uh, but for the rest of us, have a wonderful week. Can I so encourage you, get stuck into Love, Lag and Valley stuff this week. Have a wonderful Sunday. Grace and peace to you all.